Today on the Starting Eleven podcast, we recap an exciting first leg of the round of 16 Champions League fixtures. We look at the FA Cup fifth round and preview the marquee matchup of the weekend, Liverpool versus United. All that and more coming up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Welcome to the Starting Eleven podcast. I'm your host, Justin Borrow, and with me today is Peter Robinson. Hey. And, of course, the one and the only, Chengiz Khan. Did you know that until 1939, H2O wasn't actually called, wasn't actually water? Water was originally created from the compound H3O, but it was discontinued because people thought it was too wet. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, water is too wet. Because H3O, there's too much H. So they thought it was too wet. So they changed it to HDO. Got to change it up. I love how he has no idea how to respond to this. Every week I want to have like a response, but every time you just end up making me go, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, I want to know where you find this. I know it's confidential, mostly, but my lord. Mostly Reddit. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in revealing that I am a uh, Redditor, so I just recycle everything I see on the platform. Um, with shockingly, amazingly impressive results. It is. Every time you say it, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I know about? it's probably turning off the listeners at this point. They look I know, I know it. it's not good for the podcast, but I, I live for that expression <laughs> you just made. It's like, wait, what? I, every week, I, I'm, I'm determined one week to have a witty response for it, but so far you've stumped me each time. So yeah, no, that's not Congratulations. Thank you. All right, guys. So this is a special episode. Uh, it's not going to be uh, a full-length one today, but we're going to start off with a little bit of uh, Champions League recap. So we're going to head over to Old Trafford. We're going to discuss United PSG. Uh, PSG uh-huh. dominated United. <laughs> Uh, it was an easy 2-0 victory for um, for the, the French side. I'm sorry. Uh, Solskjaer managed to uh, finally face defeat. Um, it was not fun for United fans. Uh, it was not pretty to watch. But um, you know what? They uh, PSG well deserved that victory. Uh, they played cohesively. Uh, they played as a unit. Uh, their midfield dominated the United midfield and uh, United just seemed to have nothing uh, to respond to them with. I think the biggest, the biggest uh, difference between United and PSG was just PSG's intensity. They just were a little bit more switched on. They were a little quicker to the ball. They were a little more sharp with their passing and also just how hard they all worked, you know, uh, seeing Marquinhos track back, seeing um, how the midfield sprung the attack so quickly right after receiving the ball their whole game plan was about counter-attacking and it was a bit of a slap into the face to Ole Gunnar a little slap in the face to United because (laughs) their whole game is counter-attacking right so they counter-attacked against the counter-attackers they they just didn't come out to play uh and I mean PSG did and and uh, Di Maria definitely had a, a point or two to prove and he, uh, he, he gave it to the United fans all night. And, uh, you know, well-deserved. There's nothing you can say about it because United fans were giving it to him and he just gave it right back. And, and you know what? He ended up putting points up on the scoreboard. So at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? And United just did not look like they were ready to play. And, and I, I think the, the, the one thing that really made me sad was uh, when you're watching the game, it was about the 88th minute and they just cut to Sokshar on the sideline. And he looked like he just got hit by a train. He was just yeah. staring into the abyss of what am I watching oh, right no, now? Oh, no, 100%. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those games where United just looked overmatched in the midfield. Um, and I think that's usually where they 
they control a lot of the game. And especially going forward, when you have such great attacking players that United have, you didn't expect them to get hit on the counterattack as hard as they did. Um, so I, I think that was their downfall, was definitely the counterattack. How good is Kylian Mbappe? I mean, he is just amazing to watch. The speed that that, that guy has is... It's out of this world. That, it's, it's almost it's almost unhuman, his, inhuman. His uh, his goal was born out of pace. Like I don't think there's a single defense in the world that could have dealt with that. Di Maria would not play a, would not have been able to play that ball, or would not have even begun to think about playing a, a ball like that if he didn't trust Mbappe's speed and his precision at that speed. I think that's the thing that we don't talk about. We talk about his pace a lot, which is all very well and good, but we've seen fast players before. What we haven't seen with a lot of players is precision at that pace. And that's what really sets him apart. That's definitely the the difference between being a fast player and being an amazing, superb yep. player is being able to control that pace, control the ball at pace, um, still keep your head up and look for passes uh, and, and still be creative. So I think Mbappe, we saw it in the World Cup, he just blows by defenders to a point where defenders have to give him so much space that and he, and he still beats them that how do you respect a player like that you know what do you do other than taking him out and trying to you know triple do the professional him. fouls yeah, if you triple mark him then you know you've got so many other players that are open you know that's how Di Maria gets open and he just he catches you on by surprise I mean like the the yardage that he covered in what a span of like four seconds was it was insane and mm. he caught Lindelof, uh, Lindelof off guard and just next thing you know he was behind him Lindelof's waiting for that to, to intercept the pass and it's going in front of him and Mbappe's already passed well, him and, and at the, the, at just a point, tap in at that point Lindelof is not just you know tracking back as far as he can to try and cover off the threat from Mbappe he has to be worried about Di Maria as well because Di Maria is not not a slouch by any means so you're keeping up with Di Maria's movements you're trying to telegraph the pass coming in whilst also keeping one like in the back of your mind the one of the fastest players in the world you know it, th that was a thankless position to be in i don't think like i don't think any defender would have been able to deal with that honestly that's just one of those goals you have to kind of just write off if i'm a video analyst and i'm working for united after the game i'm just gonna say mbappe that's, that's all you can say that's all you can say um is definitely it's the simple analytics of the fact that foot speed wise he's going to beat all your defenders in a race 10 times out of 10. Yeah. When you have Shaw and Young out there, they they really don't have any pace compared to Kylian Mbappe. So, like you said, just you have to chalk it up to it's it's Mbappe's pace. That's like, what did it. The last the last time I can actually genuinely say that about somebody is maybe like Ronaldinho. Yeah. Like Control at pace. Con yeah. Well, well, control and just his trickery. It's just like, yeah. if Ronaldinho does you, it's not because you're a bad player. It's because you just faced to get off against Ronaldinho. You got Ronaldinho'd, yeah. you know? There's, there's just not much more you can say. I mean, United did not look great on the night. They fell flat. Uh, they have an uphill, an uphill battle to face now uh, when they go to PSG. Pogba suspended. Yes, that's what I was about to say was uh, to a sort of a... Um, a secondary slap in the face to the the two nil losses uh pogba receiving a red card uh 89th minute so he'll be gone for the second leg of this and mind you <laughs> he didn't look great on the night um but you know he's definitely going to to hurt united going forward and look it's not an excuse but united you know they lost lingard they lost martial in the first half that sort of um 
took out their their pace on the wings. Uh, you bring in Alexis Sanchez, who looked absolutely rubbish the entire game. He looked like Alexis like, Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? He looked <laughs> worse than Alexis Sanchez. Like, I mean, the team played bad, but then it was like you could almost take the how badly the team played and put it to the side and then look at Sanchez, and he played horrible, like, on his own. Like, it was really bad. Well, um, but, I mean, so United didn't have any uh, any sort of luck in the game for themselves but that being said look they have to go to psg now and they need to pump them full of shots they need to get that first goal uh if psg scores it's over um but i mean they're not they're not out yet i mean united has the firepower to come back to perform um and and to get a result but it's going to be a real test of character to see if they can do it yeah i was going to say you, you you don't just stroll into park de france and expect a result you have to really grind for it and I don't think that, honestly, United don't have the midfield to compete with PSGs, and that's the reality. And in in any good counter-attacking team, your midfield is just as important as the attack. And, you know, United only have Pogba, who is suspended. I'm not exactly counting on Ander Herrera to <laughs> launch a ball from 60 yards, no. right? Or to play that quick... Like, he's quick on the turn, and he can play some sharp passes, but I think of under her more of like a one-two kind of player that you want around the 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 final third but when you're a counter-attacking team you're not playing those kinds of passes you're playing long balls or very very direct balls and you're playing them at pace let's just point out the fact that you know a month ago two months ago we were talking about manchester united drew psg in the champions league they're going to get destroyed under Mourinho, and the fact that they went into the first leg and we were saying they might have a shot to beat PSG. Mm. Just goes to show how much Solskjaer's done already with with the team and the confidence that he's brought back into the players as well as into the the supporters and and the media in general. You know, they look at Manchester United now and they say these these guys had a shot to to get through their round of sixteen. Um, whereas under Mourinho, absolutely no shot. Yeah, and Solskjaer. I mean, don't get me wrong. When he came in, he didn't change anything except for like the the uh, the attitude and the environment at the, at the club. Um, I think this game against PSG really showed some of the serious holes that United, United has, and uh, I feel like you know Solskjaer being there is it's a band aid for them. Uh, but there's a lot of work that still has to be done to make United, you know, a a champion, a yeah, champion winning team. Yeah. And then you, and then you think about the fact that Tuchel has had longer. You know, they're a much more complete team. They're a much better drilled team. It kind of looked like men against boys. I don't want to be too harsh on United because just like you said, Solskjaer has really turned it around, but they're not on PSG's level. No. And you know what? Solskjaer was d- destined to lose at some point. They lost to a really good European side. The question now is how do they bounce back? Like I was saying to Chengiz, uh earlier today, even if they go to, to the Parc de Prince and they, they get a goal or two goals and then, you know, PSG scores a goal and they, they end up winning on the night 2-1, but PSG wins uh, the tie. I mean, you know what? That's still going to be a, a um, showing the perseverance that United has to be able to go down there, pull out the result, you know, fight back and at least sort of put some effort into it. Now, if they go down there and get pumped three or four nil, I mean, then you're going to really start to see some of the the holes that this squad really has. But I, I'm really curious to see how this team now goes to France and, and bounces back. Um, but let's now jump forward, guys. Let's talk a little bit uh, Spurs-Dortmund. This was a surprising game 
Spurs. He's pumping, Peter's pumping his <laughs> Peter is so happy right now. I'm, uh, I'm doing my quiet celebration right now. <laughs> so Spurs end up winning 3-0 on the night. Straight up, I'll say that coming into this match, I didn't expect a lot. Um, I 100% didn't expect a 3-0 Spurs victory. I don't think anyone expected a 3-0 no, Spurs victory. Um, but, you know, Dortmund was coming in with a few injuries. Uh, they were coming in with... I guess a little bit of a rough patch that they've been having through the uh, through the league, um, so so it was it was a very winnable game. I think the fact that uh, you know Lorente came in and scored, and Jan Vertonghen looked like the best left back, left wing back in the world uh, this match, and it was just amazing and super amazing Son to scores see. Again. Son <laughs> is actually, I think he he's going to be in. Um, like a uh, is it golden ball? Is that what they call it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Top scorer. Oh, the Balloon Door. Oh, Ballon Door. Yeah, yeah, Golden Ball. Yeah, yeah, Ballon yeah. So just the very English way of saying it. <laughs> um, but I I think he's going to be in the Ballon Door um conversation this year. He has to be after taking South Korea, you know, far in the World Cup, as well as uh in the Asian Asian Cup. Not early. Asian it's Cup, February. but Asian games. I mean, it, like he's playing out of his mind, no doubt. But he it's is. February. It's a bit early to be saying things like that. Well, I, I think that he's definitely going to be in contention for like player of the season in the Premier League. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, That's not a doubt. No, but yeah. we have to think because like uh, we don't have that many months left in the season. Like let's, let's be let's be honest. There's what three is there, months, 12, twelve weeks left. Yeah, Something three like months, that, yeah. four months left. Champions League, you know, is at round of sixteen. Um, in March, yeah. So we're we're cutting it close. Yeah. So there's only about three or four months left in the season. So you know it, it's starting to get into that conversation of this is when could it start, be possible? This is actually when they start voting, which is weird. Oh, every time yeah, they it is have, weird. Every yeah. time they have a Writers Awards or PFA uh, Player of the Year, they start voting now. And based on current form, I think Son's going to get a lot of votes, but I don't think he's going to win Player of the Year. You still got Hazard, Salah, you know, yeah, Aguero. Aguero is Sal- a big. Salah's, I could say Aguero, but Salah's having a somewhat of a down year scorer. compared to last season. Well, okay, but last season was like an anomaly by everybody. It's still a down season from last season, right? Oh, no. So. Only 17 <laughs> goals. Only the top scorer in the league. Oh, no. Right? What a bad season. But I think based on the fact that, you know, Liverpool is just, they're, they're playing well yeah. as a team. Yeah. Um, whereas nobody expected Spurs to be to be well, consistent think, after Kane going down and, and the yeah, rest no, of the absolutely. injuries. That... I, I was expecting a good match out of this one, like as a neutral, but watching this, I felt like it was, it, 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 it was a tactical masterclass by Pochettino. Oh, 100%. Like I was not like, I know, like you said, Dortmund had their issues when coming into the game, but I didn't think they were that under strength or that understaffed. They seem to be playing a full strength eleven to me, anyways. I don't follow Dortmund that well, but all of their uh, midfielders were there, and I mean, seeing Goods in the number nine. Anyways, I, I digress. Um, but seeing how well Tottenham shut down Dortmund's midfield and forced them into wide areas where they weren't comfortable, they isolated Pulisic a lot. I was noticing they were triple, double, and triple marking him all evening, and then. For some reason, Vertonghen had all the space in the world on the left, yep. which was fantastic. And then he was like, oh, okay, I, I, I guess I'll just take it. Thank you. Well, I think all the space on the left was down to the fact that um, 
really they were playing two defensive midfielders with Witzel and Delaney. Yeah, and um, was sort of like nowhere to be seen. Well, ex- exactly. Yeah. So uh, when you have Sancho going down the right side, the left side, whichever he ended up going down, yeah. um, you know, he is a very attacking player. He doesn't track back as much. I know Jaden Sancho has done a great job playing at Dortmund. He was we, poor last night. He that, was. That night, not last he night. was. Yeah. We, t- we talked about it before on the pod of, you know, English players going abroad and playing really well. He's one of those guys. Um, but yeah, very poor playing against Spurs, who are a Premier League club. And chances are Sancho is going to go to, I think the rumor was Manchester United is going to make a, a bid for him. Um, so I can see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, think he'd fit. Uh, I think he'd fit nicely into their into their um, their squad. I mean, it's, I'd I, have to ship off Mares though. Sixty million player on the bench. Gotta love it. You got the wrong Manchester no. there, bud. United. Oh, United. Geez, but sorry. How th- dare you? How <laughs> dare you? City and players. <laughs> and I just thought that fit. Gonna go full Hulk like, like, yeah. mode on you over here, man. Let's just say <laughs> one thing: that if they do go for Sancho, it's kind of. Like you're just repeating players. You already have that in yeah, in know. Lingard, Martial, and Rashford. Now you you're do. gonna get Sancho. I understand that you want depth, but yeah, I, he's yeah, gonna someone, sit on the bench. Someone's gonna sit. Yeah, I, that's I the one issue, right? I was gonna say, and especially with Pulisic leaving, yeah, he might turn into the main man too. Well, well, speaking of Pulisic, uh, Pulisic went down with an injury uh, in this game, mm. um, and so now he could be out for a couple of weeks, uh, which doesn't do Dortmund any good, but it it could help. Uh, Spurs come into that second leg. Not that they're going to need it because I think Spurs firmly have this game. They just need to score one goal yeah. and then they'll be through on away goals because then Dortmund would have to score five. But that being said, Signal Laduna Park is one of the best stadiums in Europe. Uh, it yeah, is an absolute... Cause, they're going to cause a ruckus. <laughs> it's, a, it's a riot. Yeah, so. at Westfalen Stadion, it's so hard to play. You have to block out the yellow wall. And <laughs> if possible. you've ever been there, it's impossible. Yeah. It is actually absolutely impossible. The atmosphere is second to none. I honestly think it's the I best mean, atmosphere. I mean, did you see the atmosphere Europe? they brought to Wembley? It's it's unreal. It was insane. Yeah, it, um, it felt like it was in Germany. Like that's it was it was impressive. I mean, I thought the PSG environment at uh, Old Trafford was good, but the environment that the Dortmund fans brought to Wembley was just it was unreal. Yeah, I think uh, you know Dortmund are going to have a few of their players back, um, especially their defenders. So, you know, when you're starting with Dan Axel Zagadou, who he's not a bad defender, but he's not a first-team defender. He at least did all right on the day, though. He shouldn't be a f- starting 11, though. No, Like Manuel right, Akanji, yeah. they're missing. Uh, he's an amazing player. Um, Toprak is getting a little bit older. Um, so, you know, Spurs did have a little bit of the advantage. Um, but, again, we'll see what happens in the second leg. All right, guys, so now let's quickly preview... Uh, the upcoming fixture, which is going to be Liverpool versus Bayern Munich. That is two heavyweights going head-to-head. Chengiz, now I have a question for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. With the title, the Premier League title on the line, with what happened in Champions League last year for Liverpool, um, are they going for it? Or yes. are they going to sit back and, and no. just sort of focus on the Prem? What do you think? Bayern are, what are they, second, almost third in the Bundesliga? They are not the same team that we all associate Bayern to be. Yeah, they're in a transitional period right now. That's yeah. for sure. So, they've they've got they they're all worried. I think so. There's a there's a journalist who contributes to the Anfield Wrap, which is a podcast for Liverpool fans. Um, Melissa Reddy. She uh, she's a journalist and she's a contributor to a lot of different football media. 
she went around gauging the reaction of Bayern fans and all of them near unanimously said this was the draw we did not want we don't we're afraid of the the pace of Salah and Mane and Firmino with his interplay uh, we're afraid of the intensity and we're also just got general PTSD from Klopp and his <laughs> Dortmund side so I don't blame Bayern fans for for being afraid of this Liverpool team I mean we're a scary team and everybody knows it that said we've got a few issues we are without Van Dijk who is suspended we're going to be playing Fabinho in our back line which is a big issue for us because he's starting to become our midfield linchpin and everything good that we do has come from Fabinho in the last few games so we're we're sacrificing a midfield we've got a compromised defense and we got word this morning that Firmino might miss the game because he has a virus um but it's very touch and go is it html (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i understand that's a disease not a virus (laughs) Uh, I, I understand Bayern fans maybe having that, I mean, uh, that animosity towards this uh, or that fear towards this match because history is not on their side. Um, so Bayern Munich have only won one of their seven matches in European competitions against Liverpool. Uh, and that came in uh, November of 1971. <laughs> uh, Liverpool and Bayern Munich's only previous encounter in the European Cup or Champions League came in 1980-81 semifinals. <laughs> Liverpool progressed on away goals 1-1 on aggregate, where they eventually went on to beat Real Madrid 1-0 in the final. And Bayern Munich have not scored a single goal against Liverpool at Anfield, at Anfield in three games. See, that's those are nice to hear stats from a Liverpool fan, but let's be real. That well, I'm just, of course, but I'm just saying historically, uh, yeah, I've, it's I've, not on Bayern's side. I've never really cared for the historical argument because teams change, things change. Football back then in the 80s is nowhere near as intense as it is now. You know, Bayern have been a superpower in world football for quite some time, but this season they've been on the decline. And I genuinely do not think that their back line is ready to deal with our midfield, our pace on the turn, and with the general trickery of the that front three if they play. Now, you know, if Firmino is out, then Shakiri comes into the side, who is just as tricky and knows Bayern really well because that's where he came. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since he's been there, but he knows the ground, he knows the atmosphere, he knows how to deal with it. And he's a big game player. So I think we'll, we're going to be just fine. Let's put it this way. Other than Alaba, this, the Bayern Munich defense is super slow. So you've got Nicolas Soule, and then you've got Mats Hummels as well. I, Both they, fine they look, defenders. They look like they're running in in quicksand, though. That yeah. that's my that's my biggest issue, especially going up against a quick counterattacking team and a quick uh, a team with quick forwards like Liverpool. Uh, I have a feeling they're they're going to get run all over, um, unless obviously you can you can put martinez in front of the defenders and and martinez is the turning circle of a bus that's what i mean you gotta hope that he's going to be able to intercept balls or or make some tackles um but you know this is going to come down to the wing back so alaba and kimmich hoping that they're going to be able to uh, stop those crosses coming in and keep pace with the liverpool front line i mean for us because we're the first legs at home at anfield uh we're going to play very high intensity, very, very relentless. We're going to be feeding off the energy of the crowd because they always, always without fail, make Anfield absolutely horrible to play in if you're not the home team. For for me, my biggest concern is our midfield. With Fabinho not there, that means Henderson's coming back. Uh, we've got Gini Wijnaldum, Keita and Milner competing for spots. If we have a double pivot, 
of Hendo and Wijnaldum, I think we're going to lose. Because that pivot is not fast enough, just generally. They don't, they're very good controlling games, but we need to turn the screw now. Whilst we have the home field advantage, whilst we have the crowd on our side, we need to put three, four, maybe five past Bayern and then make the second leg a formality. That's what we need to do. And I think we need a very fast, active midfield. And I hope Klopp realizes that. And that's going to do it for us at part one. In part two, we're going to look towards the FA Cup fifth round tie. Stay tuned to the Starting Eleven podcast. Hey, everyone. If you like what you hear so far, please hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and review to let us know your thoughts about the show. We would also love to hear from you, so please feel free to send any comments or questions to the starting xi podcast at gmail.com. That's the starting xi podcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at xi podcast. Now, let's get back to it. Welcome back to part two of the Starting Eleven podcast. Let's look now towards the FA Cup fifth round. Uh, Watford defeated QPR with a score of one to nil. Brighton with the victory 2-1 against Derby County. Ashley Cole, who just recently made the move to Derby from the LA Galaxy and the MLS with his first FA Cup goal of his career. Millwall defeats AFC Wimbledon 1-0. Man City finally ends the dream run of Newport County no. 4-1. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping that Newport was going to pull out like a nitty-gritty win yeah, there. Like, see, oh. Newport didn't have Phil Foden. <laughs> they scored a goal. That's they, all that matters. They did. They scored a goal against Man City. There I mean, you go. It was... It was... <laughs> it was Man City. <laughs> Yeah, like fourth, fifth string Man City. Yeah, <laughs> which is still like a first squad team. Like, yeah, which <laughs> still cost more than the whole, you know, the whole I club. Gonna, yeah. I was going to say Phil Foden's weekly wage is probably more than Newport County's entire bill for the year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Swansea City uh, with a comfortable four-one win against Brentford. Crystal Palace defeated Doncaster two-nil. Uh, Wolves defeated Bristol City one-nil. And today United bounced back from that dismal performance against PSG with a comprehensive. 2-0 victory against Maurizio Sarri's Chelsea. Oh, he is... I would not be surprised if we hear in the next couple hours that he does no longer has a job. Yeah. It's it's not looking good for Maurizio Sarri. The fans are beginning to turn on him. Um, there were there were chants of, fuck Sarri ball across the stadium today. He's getting sacked in the morning. Yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. He's getting sacked in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? Uh, I think it's... Let's not take away from United here. Uh, they played really well. Uh, they bounced back. They they changed up their formation a little bit. They played a 4-3-3. Um, Romero played fantastic in goal again. He's been having one hell of a cup run. He's looked great when he's been in net for United, um, which is great for a team to, to have that second string keeper that they can go to. Now, mind you, second string, he is Argentina's number one keeper. Um, so he's by no means... Um, you know, low quality, but... But who was the last Argentina keeper that we can say is top, top quality? They always, they always seem to pump out these forwards, but never goalkeepers. Or midfielders or defenders. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just score more goals than the other teams. That's all they have to do, just keep putting <laughs> the ball in the back of the net. You score four, we'll score six. Um, but you know what? Yeah, United, they, uh, they looked good. Ander Herrera scored in the 31st minute. Uh, just a beautiful pass from Paul Pogba. I was saying to Cheng as we were watching the game, and I said, Pogba's vision is just un it's unreal. 
he you can see it in the replay. He looks up, he he catches Herrera, uh, and he sees him. He knows exactly where he wants to put the ball. He makes that split second decision right over the top, right to him. It, it was a, it was a beautiful pass, beautiful cross, uh, great finish by Herrera. Um, and then Pogba with the goal in the 45th minute, right on the stroke of halftime, uh, gorgeous header. Uh, does the airplane celebration on the ground. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it's yeah. great watching him enjoying his football now. I mean, oh, he yeah. was miserable under Mourinho. He didn't want to be here anymore. Uh, so it's just nice to kind of see him um, not only playing well, but enjoying his playing and enjoying being here, enjoying and winning. For the first time in his second United stint, he's starting to justify his price tag a bit because $90 million at the time was crazy money. It was a world record transfer fee, right? And everybody was just like, what? Why? He scored like 10 goals total for Juventus over two seasons, something like that. Anyways. Chelsea dominated uh, possession. Uh, they had 67% possession, uh, 638 passes to United's 319, and 87% pass accuracy, uh, 11 shots. But they just had zero finish in the final third. Uh, they they were having chances. They were they were getting through United's defense. But once they got through, they were just nothing. They couldn't string together two passes was, in the final third. It was really strange watching it because they, for the most part, for the majority of the game, I think their midfield was better than United's. Uh, Jorginho was found had a lot of space, and I've said this so many times on the podcast. Now it's becoming a bit of a meme is that when he has space, he's able to produce. He's able to play the football that he was signed to play. Um, and every single time Chelsea have played badly, it's because Jorginho was shut down. It's because Jorginho is the linchpin of Sarri ball. And if you give him space, the, play, the team plays well. Now, it was very interesting seeing them United give Jorginho that space. It's like, okay, let him have the ball, let him distribute, let him do his thing. Because as soon as we got into the final third of the pitch... Hazard, Pedro, Willian, whoever, Higuain was just marked out that game entirely. You know, whenever the ball came to the wings, United was so densely packed in the middle that they had no choice but to play to Hazard or Pedro and, and try and engineer those kinds of runs. And when they would do that, they were double, triple, quadruple marked. It was a very interesting setup by United. And sometimes when you overcommit too many players to one to mark one person, you do leave yourself exposed in other areas, but nobody on Chelsea was trying to exploit those those other areas. They were very, very static when it came. They were too reliant on Hazard to try and produce something. You know, Higuain had some interesting ideas and runs, but more often than not, we saw a lot of Chelsea players just kind of try and fall over and trying to get something. When we're looking at the Chelsea lineup, this has to be their full-strength lineup. Yeah, absolutely. You're looking at Hazard, Higuain, Pedro, Kovacic, yep. Jorginho, Conte, that's that's their starting eleven. Mm-hmm. Like it, they, those are the best attacking players that they have at yep. their disposal, and the fact that they couldn't put one in the back of the net, uh, to me, that's alarm bells. When you're Chelsea, you have all this possession, you have all these chances, all these passes, but you can't create anything that that scores a goal against United's second chance or second string goalkeeper. Like granted, Romero did have a good game, but he's the second string let's be real uh these world-class players should be scoring a goal at least but um yeah like chengiz was saying united did a great job of getting very compact when they were defending and uh really shutting down the uh, chelsea attack all of chelsea's chances they weren't very good but every single one of them came from an opportunity engineered outside of the box 
they didn't have any clear-cut chances. They didn't. I didn't feel like United were ever really threatened. There was um, David Luiz's free kick. I was going to say, that was probably their best chance of the yeah. game was David Luiz's free kick. David Luiz's free Sergio kick. Romero got to pretty comfortably, but still, yeah. it, was, it was a nice nice attempt on but it goal. But it was really well struck. It was a knuckleball. And, the, you know, those things, you know, they're very unpredictable in how they fly in. Uh, so Romero dealt with quite well, and he dealt with the rebound, especially while he actually punched up in the air and then caught it. Very good keeping, but aside from that, I'm starting to think of how Chelsea tested Romero and United. Cause it, like the free kick was outside the box, obviously. Um, they didn't really have any clear cut chances in in the center. I think there was one pullback. Hazard was double marked, and he managed to get away from both of them, pulled them back to cross into the path of Azpilicueta, but then Romero was there to cut it out before the ball got to him. So aside from that, like the fact that I can quite clearly think that those were the two chances that's a problem and it's funny because out of 11 shots uh they only had two on target as go. opposed united had seven shots five on target when you're a world-class team like chelsea taking 11 shots you need more than two of those to be on target and those two in order to test you know world-class keepers like they have at united and those two were from the same free kick <laughs> it's true it, it it wasn't pretty for Chelsea. Um, I think it's it's. I don't want to say panic time, but it's starting to feel that way. Uh, you could definitely feel the um, you can feel the Chelsea fans turning, um, starting to turn on their team. Uh, you know they were booing substitutions. Um, they weren't too happy with uh, just the way the game was sort of no. um, pittering out there. Yeah, they um, took they took off they hold off Aspilicueta for Zapacosta, which I don't really understand. I. That's not a substitution that's going to change anything. And you got to feel for Zabacosta. I mean, you're getting ready to come on and your your fans are just booing you How? because they're taking Zabacosta. I, th I think they were mostly booing Sari at that point. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, giant chance of fuck Sari ball across the stadium right. cannot, be, uh, right. cannot be uplifting to hear if you're uh, a Chelsea player or part of Sari's uh, know, coaching team. So the, the tragic thing is, is I think Sari ball is a good idea. And I think it's a good thing for Chelsea to have, but they don't have a plan B. And it's really hurting for them because what United did was essentially an evolved version of Park the Bus. When when they got into the final third, everything else was fairly open field and very uh, United attacking type football that we've seen. But when Chelsea had the ball, they threw everybody behind it. And when you get to that point, you need to adapt. You need to figure out, okay, this isn't working. We need to try something else. Uh, on the bright side, Chelsea, uh, they're still in the Europa League. <laughs> that, that's something. With I mean, Bate <laughs> 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 Borisov was my Valentine this year, that's so. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, sucks! I, sucks to be an Arsenal fan right now. But, yeah, but I mean, they did, did suit themselves. So. But you know what? Um, in all seriousness, guys, uh, United took their chances. Uh, United were the better team on the day, uh, and they move on to the quarterfinals. And so the quarterfinal draw has been finished. Uh, so we got Millwall against Brighton. Swansea takes on Man City. Watford taking on Crystal Palace. And Wolverhampton Wanderers are taking on United. Uh, it's going to be a great quarterfinals. I mean, cool. United have not had an easy run. Uh, Wolves are not going to be an easy team. Uh, and so, I'm you know really what? If they do make it to the finals, uh, which I'm, you know, I hope they do. Um, it's going to be uh, on merit. It's going to be... So I, I think it's going to be an interesting run from here on in, and we're going to see what happens. I think it's absolutely bizarre and a great metaphor for how 
messed up this world is that Millwall could end up in the semi-fucking finals <laughs> of the FA Cup. <laughs> they they could. I, they, they, they're playing at home against Brighton. And, uh, I mean... If, That's just not right. If this tournament has shown us anything, it's that anything is possible and Millwall can beating we, Brighton we, is very do, possible. Can, can, can we, Brighton do... You can do emergency loans, right? Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's, let's just let's give them it. Salah for a game. <laughs> so <laughs> they, so Millwall <laughs> don't go through. Thank you. So you could have a very... Uh, you could have a very angry Chengiz on the pot in a, very, in a couple of weeks. We're no. going to see what happens. I Mill- thought we weren't going to bring up Millwall and then all of a sudden we brought up Millwall and now Chengiz is Just triggered. starts the fire. <laughs> it just lights the pilot light in his boiler. Like, um, like I, I hate United for footballing reasons, but I hate Millwall for humanitarian reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you showed me something today that was not not pleasant. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, so uh, let's now look forward to the marquee matchup of the weekend uh next weekend coming up uh liverpool versus united this could be a title defining match for liverpool uh united has a chance to play spoilers which is always a fun role um the the form that united have been on in the league uh should be worrisome to liverpool and to liverpool fans um but that being said liverpool have equally had um had a great run of form lately. So I think it's really going to be interesting to see um, what tactics uh, Solskjaer puts out against uh, a very strong Liverpool side. I'm more concerned about playing at Old Trafford than I am about playing United, if that makes any but sense. But Old Trafford is United. Yeah, see, your fans make a very hostile atmosphere. That's fine. Well, that's not fine, actually. I'm more scared <laughs> about that. The thing is, I think our midfield's better than yours. It is. And yeah, I think I agree. I'm happy that. to agree. admit that easily. And I yeah. think your defenders are going to have a horrible time against our front line. But so will ours against yours. It's... That, that said, we have a Van Dyke. You have a Lindelof. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a bit of a matchup. On paper, we should come out ahead. We should win this to maybe 3 0. Um, but that said, this is Liverpool versus Manchester United. This is like, it's the Clash of Titans every rule goes out the window i think it's gonna be it's gonna be fire yeah <laughs> fire festival hashtag i know uh, it's, it's gonna... <laughs> this one's gonna be real though that's yeah. right it's actually gonna happen yeah. yeah um so uh score predictions what do you guys think is gonna happen in this match oh i hate score predictions um come on Peter. honestly dig into your crystal ball uh because because i'm a spurs supporter i'm gonna say it's gonna be 3-2 United, just so that I can make up points. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, then that makes... Oh, no, because you're close to Liverpool, then... Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Dick. Um, I'm actually going to go with the same scoreline, 3-2, but uh, to Liverpool. All right. I think our defense will be fundamental. We'll be able to hold out a little bit better than yours, because both attacks are scintillating. I just hope that, you know, we... Don't make a mistake at the back. We get outplayed and they make they do a good goal because United are capable of scoring goals that you can't counter against, right? You can't shut down. It's just very well-worked goals. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how one of the most resurgent attacks does against the league's best defense because we do have the best defense um, and how our attack fares against uh, just generally your team because I think you guys have very good stopping power in Matic. You have Pogba who can control games, but we also have Genie Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and Kaita, who is resurgent too. 
it's it's impossible to predict how this one's going to go. I think it's going to be a great game regardless. Um, so we got 3-2 United for Peter. We got 3-2 for Liverpool from Chengiz. I'm going to go 2-1 United. I'm going to say Pogba and Rashford are going to link up again uh, to score both goals. It's going to be Pogba for the first goal, Rashford for the second. Uh, and I think Sadio Mane is going to score Liverpool's um, only Brace. That would probably fit in quite well with how we play against big teams. So yeah, probably. And I'm gonna say at least one red card. One nah. red card. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I think so. I think the atmosphere of the stadium is just gonna make it a little bit. Uh, Maybe for Matic. <laughs> Finally, he's gonna get sent off. Have had a red card today. It was, <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. He he got very very lucky today. Wait wait wait! I got one more thing to say. What? Toronto FC still hasn't signed a designated player. Uh, Champions League starts tomorrow. Josie Altidore is still injured. Uh, our, it's, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I don't even know what to say anymore okay, about Toronto can we, uh, can we just bow our heads, take a moment silence? For Greg Vanny's job? <laughs> For just Canadian football. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. CPL is going to start. Um, maybe we'll have to uh, reach out to the CPL, yeah, see no. if we can get some tickets. Yeah. Some York 9 FC? Yeah, I'll go to a game. I'll Come give on, it a Jimmy shot. Jimmy Brennan, I know you're listening to this, buddy. Jimmy. <laughs> Toronto FC is not looking good so far. Um, I mean, when when your starting 11 has Hamilton and Terrence Boyd up top, uh, that's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> I don't even think they should play Hamilton, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's going to do it for us here on the Starting 11 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please leave a rating and a review with your thoughts about the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at XI Podcast. And please feel free to send your questions or comments to the Starting 11 podcast at gmail.com. That's the Starting XI Podcast at gmail.com and we will answer them in the pod the following week and until next time on behalf of Chengiz thank you Peter please please sign a designated player but make it a good designated player I concur and myself uh, cheers and thanks for listening <laughs>